We Saw Thing is a movie podcast about remakes and sequels. In preparation for Rambo, Last Blood being released this weekend. Jay and Chris watched First Blood, released in 1982. We Saw Thing. Rambo, are you still reading me? And talked about it. I can't push it, sir. Well, you did some pushing of your own. They drew First Blood, not me. Look, Johnny, let me come in and get you the hell out of there. They drew First Blood. Conversation has been edited for brevity. So, uh, so I don't know about you, Jay. I had a really hard time tracking this movie down. <laughs> you know, I felt bad about that a little bit because I own the movie and was like, maybe you should come over. Maybe we should watch this together. We have a bad habit of texting about the movies before we actually sit down to to do these podcast episodes. So sitting in the same room, I think, would be a terrible idea. <laughs> I feel like we've been good. The last three movies, we haven't really dived in until we've dived in. That's right. Yeah. No, we've been better about it. I think we're learning slowly here, but I did have a really hard time tracking this movie down. So it was nice of you to lend it to me. Well, there's a lot of things and a lot of ways that people can get around these things today. I don't like doing that, but this is an example where they make you do that because, hey, we just wanted to go back and watch a classic film. And you have no way to do it. Yeah, it's very strange to me because, like, it just seems like we're doing movies I've not seen before. So uh, this is another of the movies we're doing that this was the first time I'd seen it. I love that you've, like, there. there's definitely so many gaps in your history of movie watching because we are big movie watchers now. Yes. I've always been. But I, I find it amazing sometimes when I, I'm talking to you and there's these gaps where you know what? I never went down the Rambo road or I never saw Stand By Me as a kid. And I'm like, holy crap, this is always my favorite thing to do when we're talking is to ask like, first time you ever saw it, did it hold up? Did it not hold up? What's it like being a viewer of it? Today, I think your insight on this movie is going to is going to matter more than mine. (laughs) As a first time watcher of this, I had no nostalgia to fall back on. So I'm really, really curious what you thought of it on this rewatch and maybe how long it's been since you watched it previously. So before I watched it for the podcast, I probably saw it about three years ago. Is this a movie that you go back to regularly? No. No, I wouldn't say I do. I actually go back to the fourth one quite regularly. It's way more violent. It's There's a lot of deaths, and it's kind of synonymous with what pop culture became of Rambo. This is not that movie. People think Rambo, and they think automatic killer, super soldier. He is without mercy. And this film, First Blood, is really a thriller about the aftermath of a soldier in the Vietnam War. Yeah, it's really about PTSD more than anything. Exactly. And the other ones don't dive into that as much. Yes, he's a broken man, but nowhere near the psyche level of broken that we get as as John Rambo in the final scene, which, I mean, watching it this time around, there's some hiccups, I guess, in Sylvester Stallone's performance, but it's still really sad. When he's breaking down, talking about his best friend who just wanted to drive around in the Chevy and he blew up and he was all over him and he can't stop thinking about it. I always love the human side of Sylvester Stallone. Everybody remembers him as this big action star, but, you know, he made his fame in Rocky and Rocky was a really subdued role for the most part. And I kind of feel like John Rambo is a little bit too. This is a crazy action movie, but... 
it's different somehow than, you know, the super soldier who shoots up a million guys on the battlefield. It's not that kind of movie. I was expecting Predator. I was expecting that level of like brainless action and story. I wasn't expecting the PTSD angle. I certainly felt that it flew all over the map tonally as far as like maintaining that PTSD angle. It had a very strange start where he seemed to be like this outgoing, like happy, friendly person who's just hunting for a friend. And then it turns out his friend is dead. And then now all of a sudden he's this guy who doesn't talk. And then the escalation when he's walking through that city and the sheriff shows up was uncalled for and outrageous. Outrageous. I had a real hard time buying into the movie because it just, it shifted gears so fast that none of it was believable. I realized by the end that the whole thing was just an excuse to to show the world what PTSD was for these Vietnam vets. And it wasn't really in the pop culture circle. And so I feel like Sylvester Stallone, when he and he, he's got a writing credit on the script, too, which shocked me. But like, I feel like they were trying to tell that story and they just didn't do a great job of of nailing it on the head tonally for me. Well, let me ask you this. What did you think of the ending? Him walking out in cuffs after everything that had gone down. What did you, did you think that was the wrong decision? Did you think, yes, that, that makes sense? No, it didn't make sense to me. So the original ending is he dies. Right. And I did happen to read that um, just a couple hours ago while I was just kind of getting informed about the movie. And that seems more tonally consistent with the story. Because, like, he is incredibly unhinged when he's walking through that town and, you know, he's just blowing stuff up and setting fire to things and, like, escalations or not, he he really just flips a switch into Crazyville and him just sort of being walked out peacefully didn't make a lot of sense to me. I am glad you mentioned the tonal shifts because... There is a point in this film where a police car in a small town of Hope goes over like a hill and flies, I don't know, eight feet off the ground or something. (laughs) And all of that comes from a breakdown that happens because these people are being horrible to him. Watching it today, you are afraid for everyone. You're like, why did you put him in this situation? Why is he going through this? And then all of a sudden... We get this weird chase that really does feel out of place. A lot of the action feels out of place. There were parts of it that did feel appropriate uh, for the story. Like when he's getting hosed down and the cops are like just actively abusing him and he has those quick flashbacks to Vietnam. His response in that moment felt appropriate to me because in an effort to explain PTSD and those kinds of flashbacks and and the way that your brain works in those moments, I found that incredibly appropriate. I I found it very effective as well. It was incredibly effective, and I wish that they'd leaned more into that. And also, that was a very strange war where the vets that came back weren't really embraced as heroes and so that would have been a very shell-shocking thing on top of a really horrific experience i just don't think they leaned into that hard enough i can totally see that this uh this is a 92 minute film something like that it was cut down from three hours so maybe all of those other pieces 
that you were looking for were in that three hour mark. But what are they cutting out? Because like there's so much of just, you know, him walking through tunnels. There were, what, three or four different sequences of him wrapping cloth around that stick to make a torch. Like, what are they cutting out? So it's funny because Sylvester Stallone famously, this is a famous Sylvester Stallone thing. He saw the three-hour cut and said, oh, my God, burn it. My career is over. It made him physically ill. He was very concerned. And they cut, I guess, two hours almost out of it. And they got this a little bit more slick action film, which obviously resonated with uh, with audiences. It didn't necessarily resonate so well with critics. Some critics liked it. But honestly, I, I mean, when I go back to this film, I really think about all the other films and how bombastic he becomes versus this is such a small little film for John Rambo. I'm telling you, I I don't think you've seen the other ones, but in the fourth one, he literally just rips some guy's throat out with his bare hand. It's that level of mental. I haven't seen any of them. Given what I expected, this was such a departure from what I thought it was going to be. I really did think it was going to take place during the Vietnam War. That That's what I had in my mind. And so when he's walking to, through like small town America and then getting pulled over by cops and stuff, like I think maybe that really took me out of the whole thing initially because I was so confused about what my expectations were versus what I was being shown. <laughs> so... Let's move along and like, I want to know what you thought of Sylvester Stallone's performance. I know going into a Rambo movie, you had other conceptions of what this is. What did you think of him and and his acting at this point? I didn't think it was great. I didn't, he didn't have a ton to do until the end. I'm never looking for him to be a brilliant actor, right? Like I'm not going to ever pick up a Stallone movie expecting high quality acting that's not why you watch these movies right like it's the thing that i had trouble with at the end when he's breaking down is it happened very quickly and so there was again this like very very quick left turn tonally that i wasn't expecting felt very awkward and then i just found him kind of hard to understand i don't know if you did i really wanted to flip on the subtitles just to make sure i was getting all of the story that he that he was portraying and and i just found him really hard to understand <laughs> i totally get that i often will be like what is he saying for me his acting and his performance i 100% believe everything like when he runs into the mountains i believe he's this wild animal who feels trapped when he throws a rock at the helicopter and the guy dies and he comes out and he's like i didn't do anything like i buy it all but this watch i guess brian dennehy really stuck out to me he's the sheriff in this and he's kind of the bad guy Mm -hmm. Uh, but man like i thought he was actually fantastic i liked that they brought in the um the colonel character for him to kind of play off of because certainly you got that brian dennehy's character was the bad guy but it added a layer to his character to have him talking to the colonel that i thought was important There was almost this jealousy for the time that Rambo would have been serving in the army. It's like Brian Dennehy's character was very upset that he didn't also get a chance to go over to Vietnam and kill people at random, which was like a weird twist to the whole thing. And such a strange 
piece of it. Like, was he jealous? Like, was he enamored by this guy who is essentially terrorizing your town? My buy-in to the escalation was, well, he can't have somebody challenging his authority. He gets off on the authority. And so to have somebody like Rambo, who just like very clearly is unaffected by his authority whatsoever, really got to him. But then it took on this other layer. It was very weird and creepy. Absolutely. I know exactly what you're saying. (laughs) At the risk of beating this to death, These police officers are terrible at their job. Everything about what they do is wrong. But even when they are all on a mountain shooting at John Rambo, they cannot kill this man. Dumb and inept is kind of it. And I think this also speaks to the weird tonal shifts because until Rambo gets back into town and starts wrecking havoc and you're like setting up for, you know, the big final showdown... The movie isn't really about him. It seems to be about the sheriff. He definitely gets a lot of screen time. Which is why it made sense to me when I was like, okay, so it's Rambo colon First Blood Part 2, but it's just First Blood. Rambo isn't even in the title. I wonder how much of the two hours they cut out of it, because I had no idea. That's such an interesting fact about this movie. I really wonder what they cut out, because... The tonal shifts make more sense knowing that that much of the film isn't there anymore. So for me, like the first two acts of this movie are, they're amazing. Like I love the first two acts of this film. Where you lose me a little bit is that that third act where he comes back into the town and just goes mental. Because to me, like he's one guy. They also spend so much in the middle of that movie talking about what a force of nature he is with violence and how he's just going to bring Old Testament God justice to this town and everyone should be terrified. And then he just seems to kind of shoot up a bunch of things at random and then just walks into the sheriff's department knowing that the sheriff is on the roof. Like, he just didn't seem to be a man with a plan. That's what I mean. Like, we watched him set up all these insane traps that don't kill anybody, but definitely make it like, do not come near me. Leave me alone. But then he comes into the town and does not have a plan and just, it's like go time. Yeah. At first, I'm like, okay, he's taken out the gas station. He set it on fire. He's drawn attention away from where he wants to be and where he wants to attack. He's clearly going after the sheriff. So, okay, that's that's interesting. Okay, now he's just kind of running around haphazardly. Okay, now he's just pulling bullets off of a shelf and setting that on fire. Now he's just shooting out random windows to things for no reason. And it wasn't like there just didn't seem to be any further plan than to draw attention over to the gas station. And I just kept going, none of this seems to matter. And that was on this watch to me was like, I'm missing a piece for him to come back on his own with no team. You know, you talk about the mission being over at one point. But you don't talk about the mission that's going on in his head. He doesn't even refer to it. Like, to me, that's where the disconnect lies. However, I still really enjoy that performance of over there, you gave me million dollar equipment. Here, I can't, I can't even keep a job parking cars. Like, mm-hmm. that's the realness of this character that we saw at the beginning of the film. But we just spent an hour and 10 minutes not seeing. They were very clearly telling a specific and very interesting story about him and his PTSD. 
And then we took an hour break from that. And then we got back to it in the last 45 seconds of the movie and the credits roll. Because I also, I understand the damage that PTSD does. Obviously, all of us now have a more defined image of what that is in 2019. And maybe that's the point. Because in 1982, they didn't, they were still calling it shell shock. Yeah. They weren't giving it due respect. And maybe that is why this film chose to focus in this direction. It's certainly why I think the book was written originally. It was written by a, a guy who didn't go to war and heard a story about PTSD from a Vietnam vet and then based it on a World War II vet. Obviously, those are different. It's a different mindset in a different time. Mm-hmm. I think if you were a soldier suffering from PTSD today, watching it would be like, I don't know if that's right. But I'm not a soldier, so I don't know if I can say that. I think you're right to the point of why the story would be told in this way, because it needs to be a very shocking portrayal of this kind of experience for people. They're very clearly using the action movie milieu to tell a deeper story about something that they do care about. They really have to push it that hard in order to make their point at a time when that wouldn't have been a point that anyone would really have been familiar with. As somebody who's seen all of the Rambo films, I have to say there's not a lot heroic about First Blood. He isn't saving anybody, and that is what they do in all the other films. It becomes him putting aside whatever happened in his life and becoming this ultimate hero. Even in Rambo 4, when he's secluded, you know, he has to go save this person who was kind to him this one time. He becomes a hero figure. That is not First Blood. If you've never seen First Blood and you're thinking like, oh, what are you guys talking about? It's just Rambo. Of course there's all this action. He's not heroic in what he's doing. This whole film is a tragedy. Yep. I thought I was going to like this movie more going into it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I don't have any nostalgia for it and I wasn't alive for the historical events that matter to the plot or matter to his character development. And so I think that it just doesn't resonate with me in a way that maybe it would resonate with my dad, who would have been alive to know those things. Is this a movie that was introduced to you like as a child by your parents or like how did how did you get involved in this movie and then subsequently watch the rest of them? So something that all of our listeners should know is that my parents were very anti watching things at the inappropriate age. This is a rated R film, so I was not allowed to watch it. Growing up, I pretty much steadily increased into my viewing. So I watched this in high school when I was probably 16 years old and exploring movies by myself. I know I bought the VHS tape before I actually had seen the movies. And I watched Rambo 2 first because people said like, this is the one that all the series were based on. And because there was like an animated series and toys, so many toys based on this character, which watching First Blood, you'd be like, why? Why would they do that? That makes no sense. Rambo 2 is bad. Okay. And then I watched First Blood and I was like, okay, this is what the character is. You don't see a lot of that in Rambo 2. Because like I said, he's a hero. He's trying to save Americans from Vietnam. People laugh at Rambo 3 because he basically joins the Taliban. The people of Afghanistan, he goes to like liberate them 
from the Russians. And people look back on that and go like, oh, yeah, pre 9-11, he joined the Taliban. It really seems like Hollywood dug its claws into the action part of it and just really ditched on the lesson to be learned. The lesson is forgotten. And it becomes, I am John Rambo, a solitary person, until someone needs some saving, and then I go and save them. And and I gotta say, First Blood, to me, is still the best one. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna explore these movies any further. Like, it just feels like such a bookended story. And it feels like it should be a bookended story. I agree. Now knowing that Hollywood Hollywooded it, I don't know that I'll have any interest in any of the other ones. I would be very curious if you watched Rambo. It is a standalone. You don't need to have really seen any of them. It's Sylvester Stallone basically playing into what people believe is Rambo versus what the Rambo films really are. Because there's not a whole lot of blood. There's a lot of killing in Rambo 2 and 3, but... Like, not a whole lot of blood and guts and crap like that. So when you get to the fourth one and it's Rambo, he's like, okay, they think it's this. I'm going to make a film that's that. And it's horrifying, but it's a good time. Like, it's my second favorite in the series. We've done some really good movies and we've done some really fun movies. This is the first movie that we've done on this podcast that I'm just kind of whatever about. I don't have a strong opinion about it one way or the other. If I hadn't seen it, I don't know that (laughs) that would have affected me at all. (laughs) It's not a movie I felt like I was missing out on, like Stand By Me, where I really should have just watched Stand By Me. And it's certainly not a movie I'm going to revisit like any of the Fast and the Furious movies, which are such pure fun. I will continue to come back to this movie. I'd say it's like a... It's not incredible, but there are some great things in it that it's trying to do. But I don't find a lot of lag in this film the way that a lot of other people might. I find that as soon as we're going to get some lag, the commander shows up and now we're learning more about John Rambo. And that's interesting. So I feel like it's an easy watch. And I'll probably come back to it a couple of times when I'm when I'm feeling like I got to do a Rambo rewatch or something. Is this the Rambo movie you'd come back to if you're feeling Rambo nostalgic? I usually go to Rambo 4 and then I watch this. Gotcha. There is some parallels to his loner lifestyle in Burma. And, you know, he's kind of carefree at the very beginning of this movie before everything goes to hell. But he's not carefree and you kind of watch his journey a little bit. I think he gets out of prison in the second film so that he can go rescue some people in Vietnam. It's a, it's a weird movie. The second one's a weird movie. Yeah, the second one's a weird, weird movie. We saw a thing and talked about it. On October 3rd, the guys talk about The Dark Knight, released in 2008. We Saw a Thing is hosted by Jay Kennedy and Chris Shapcott, produced by Shapcott's Media. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review in Apple Podcasts. 